Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. So I wanted to talk through a little bit about what drives our church. And so last week we talked about uh, the first value, which is gathering. We, we put a high value on the people of God coming together. And we, we celebrated that with some baptisms that were just uh, a lot of fun. It was just a, a really great service. And we, we got to hear from our friend Brian from Convoy of Hope about all of the different things that the church is doing throughout the world because it's coming together. And so we, we have uh, four main values, and that's uh, that's what sort of, uh, resonate throughout everything that we do, and that's the value of gathering together, of restoration, uh, of training and equipping, and of sending and going. And so everything that we do sort of aligns with that, and that drives us out into this. And so if, if you're wondering, you know, as a, as a church, we, uh, we've started about three and a half years ago. And I was honestly, I was reluctant uh, to begin uh, this church uh, to do anything within the church because I, I had somewhat of a, a low view of church out of just ignorance and, and a lack of experience and maybe having some bad uh, interactions influence a lot of my thinking. But I remember after I, I came uh, to the Lord and came into faith, I, I became uh, aware of this, this incredible need uh, that was just everywhere. I felt like I couldn't get away from, from learning about how more and more uh, how much the world desperately needs Jesus. I, I remember uh, learning about uh, the epidemic of human trafficking and, and how pervasive that is and how it's just everywhere. And, and I, I remember learning about the, the epidemic of preventable poverty and preventable uh, deaths by poverty. And that's just, it's just everywhere. And it just inundated with all this information and the, and the breakdown of the family units and how just as our, as our population is increasing, just how things aren't becoming sustainable. And I remember like thinking to myself, like, I'm going to, I have to do something about this. I have to, I have to do something. You know, I kept reading the scriptures and the scriptures kept compelling me towards something, towards action, towards, towards doing something. I'm supposed to be like Jesus and Jesus just didn't sit around and, and talk about great ideas. He, he did things and he was on the move. And then I read through Acts and the church continued to do something. And so I just said, well, I, I have to do something. And so I, I sort of embarked with, with my wife on trying to, trying to discern, okay, what, what are we supposed to do? And at the time, I, I had an MBA, and I had uh, I toyed with the thought of getting uh, an MBA with a JD, with a uh, Juris Doctorate, uh, to be an attorney. And so I started thinking, well, maybe that's, that's what uh, I should do. And so we, uh, we looked around at different uh, ac- activist organizations, and I applied for like International Justice Mission and Compassion International, because I, I had to do something for this. And, and so regardless of where we applied and what mission base we applied to and, and where we applied uh, throughout the world and, and we would go and scout, just the doors were just completely sealed shut. And I remember on the, like the, the, per, the most perfect assignment came up, I thought it would be just the best thing in the whole world. And we just didn't have a piece about it. And I was angry and frustrated. And I, I prayed to the Lord. And I said, you know, you know my heart. You know I'll do anything you want me to do. I'm, 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 I've done painful things for you recently. I'm, I'm not afraid of that. Just tell me what you want me to do. 
And very, like immediately after I, I prayed that prayer, he said, I want you to be a pastor and plant churches. And then just as quickly, I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll do whatever else you're saying to do. Like, no way. Because I didn't get it. I didn't understand why do we need more churches. I felt like there was a lot of churches. And, and why do we need another church? And, and I, I wasn't sure. And then uh, during that time, again, of just wrestling with God through this idea of, you know, why do you want me to plant a church? Like, it doesn't make sense. There's, I feel like there's churches everywhere. I began to understand, really, that currently the, the American Christians, just the American Christians, not Canadian Christians, not Western Christians, just in America, that American Christians actually had the potential and the possibility to dramatically change the world in a very rapid, short time. Because American Christians are some of the wealthiest, freest Christians that have ever walked the face of the earth. And, I mean, it's, it's absolutely astounding at the amount of resources that are at the American, just the average American Christian's fingertips. So I just began to learn all this random information, which now I know is not random information. And it was the Holy Spirit just sort of telling me and imparting me of all of these things that are happening within our society today. Like, like right now, we're alive for a reason. You realize that like God has planned us and, and none of us were, were a big surprise to God and and he, he's created works for us to do uh, in advance is what Ephesians 2.10 tells us. And so we were, we were here on purpose. Like you're born here at this time on purpose, not any other time in history. Which means we're uniquely positioned, just as people in this room, to do some pretty incredible things, historic things, because none of the technology, none of the freedom, none of the resources were available to the Christians that lived a few generations ago. Does that make sense? And so... We're here, we're, we're here on purpose, and we're here in America, and we're here for a, a certain thing to do at a certain time to do. And so I, I just, I, I really started to dig into that idea of, man, what's available and what's possible? And so through that and through, through doing some homework, I, I learned that, well, p- part of the reason that we're not seeing this dramatic effect of the church is because if, if you sort of dig into the numbers, what you realize is that the American church is underfunded and under-resourced. And, and you understand that only 2% of Christians that call themselves Christians give the minimum 10% of a tithe to a local church. This message is not on tithing. Take it easy. Uh, our church is actually incredible with giving and all that sort of stuff. But in the whole, 2% of Christians give 10%. Okay, and 10% biblically is sort of the bare minimum. If you want to know what it really looks like, look at Acts, you sell everything, and and then you see how that goes. But so 2% give the minimum of 10%, and I know that scriptures tell us that where money and treasure are, the heart kind of goes that direction, and, and money and treasure follow the heart. And so what that really tells you is that 98% of people that call themselves Christians in America haven't bought into the idea that the church is actually God's plan for the redemption and the restoration of all things, which is kind of crazy. And so if we wonder why, why are there so many churches, but there's not a, there's not a lot of change happening, there's not all of these things happening, I, I think that's probably part of the reason is that we, we have a lot of people that aren't quite convinced that God's plan 
for the restoration of the planet, for, for the proliferation of the gospel, is the church. So I, I had to do some, some soul searching on that as well and, and really come to understand that biblically, I mean, his, his plan has always been us, the bride, the church. And so I, I was like, okay, well, I, I started to kind of come into an agreement with that. Like, I, I can see that, I can, I can get behind that, but I also understand that. I understand that, you know, white people don't, don't see the church as, as, as trustworthy and on all of that. I mean, we get that, we've read the news, we know what happens a lot of times in churches. And so I just began to pray into that and to think through like, so what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? Aren't we supposed to go and, and win the lost, right? Like we're supposed to go and win the lost. Like I don't want to spend my time convincing Christians to act like Christians. Like that didn't seem like a fun thing for me. Like let's go, let's go win the lost. And at the time I was working uh, in this commercial banking group uh, in Chattanooga and we were uh, the most successful uh, banking division within the city. And so it was a team of like elite, uh, highly educated, highly wealthy people that I, I was surrounded with in Chattanooga, which is in Tennessee, in like the close to the buckle of the Bible belt. And I was processing this out loud to a coworker that I was really close with. And I was just sort of verbally on lunch one time processing this to him. And I said, you know, I was just sort of going through it start to finish. I said, okay, let's say, let's, we admit there's a God. We're in agreement there's a God, right? And so then mentally we can agree that there's a God and he created the universe, he created the world and, and, and he came to earth and became a man and I, I was gonna keep going. And he said, well, what do you mean? He came to earth and became a man. I was like, bro, that's Jesus. And, uh, and he was like, I don't think so. He said, I think Jesus was his son or something. I was like, yeah, yeah. And what I knew from all of our other conversations was that, you know, this guy believed he was a Christian. Uh, you know, he, he grew up in church. He, he grew up in all of these sort of things in Chattanooga, in that area, and, and was, didn't know who Jesus was. And it became sort of awakened to the idea that we've been inoculated with the gospel. Like we, we've heard just enough about Jesus, just enough about church, just enough about religion, just enough about the scriptures to, to think that we know what we're making a decision on, but we really don't even know. And so we, we've lulled ourselves into this apathetic state, which translates to 2% really being bought in. And then if you read the scriptures about the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, you kind of get what Jesus is talking about. There's, there's a huge need. There's a, there's a great need. And even with just as little as we're, as we're gathering and as little as we're doing, and even being underfunded and under resources and all that sort of stuff, we're still making incredible headway around the world. Like we learned last week, if you were here from Brian, that, that within 11 years, within 11 years, we're going to see the preventable child deaths per day drop from, I think it's something like 11,000 preventable child deaths per day to zero within, within 11 years. And only 25% of the churches are aware that that's even going on or actually doing something about it. 
what we can do as a collection of believers is astounding, right? I mean, that's just, it's un- unbelievable. And so I began to kind of say, okay, well, I can, I can get on board with this pastoring thing, this church thing. And, and as, I, as I began to pray into that, the Lord showed me this picture and it was this, it was this large like pipe. And on one side was America and it was all of these people. And, and they would go into this pipe and they would come out and, and they were changed and they were different and they were going to the different areas of the world and, and the regions and all of that that were struggling with the extreme poverty, with preventable disease, with sex, human trafficking, with all of that sort of stuff. And they were just like arrows being shot to make a difference. And it was, it was a conduit. It was like raw materials being processed and coming out into a, a picture. And that was a picture that he gave us for this church. That's, that's sort of what we're, we're about and what we envision being about as a church is like we're, we're, we're that conduit. Because I, I didn't want to do this. I wanted to go and do something. And it was the Lord and the Holy Spirit that actually began to form in me that this is actually his answer for the world. It's church. It's something that can be mundane where we just sort of come in and we sing songs and we do the thing and we, we leave. Like it can be mundane or it can be transformational. It just depends on what percentage you find yourself in. You know, there's this crazy passage where Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Everyone's in awe. And this booming voice comes out about like, this is my son and I'm listening to him and all of that sort of thing. There's just little thing that says, some people thought it thundered. Which means that it's entirely possible to be able to be around the kingdom, to, to find ourselves around the kingdom and, and still not understand it, still not grasp it. We can be in it here and then, and then not realize what's going on and we can think it's just thundering, but it's the kingdom breaking loose. This is what God is calling us into. And so as, as we're, you know, people and we're living in a, in a, in a very, uh, you know, visual world, we're tempted to just think it's thunder. But what we're doing here is incredible. It's miraculous. And so the Lord began to impress on me, like, like he wanted us to be a church of restoration. He wanted us to be on the mission with Jesus. And we can read about Jesus's mission. Like this is our foundational scripture verse for our church. And it's in Luke chapter four. Uh, Jesus returned, uh, verse 14. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee and the power of the spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
Then he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the central text really of of the gospel of the New Testament. And it's the central text for us because we're supposed to be like Jesus. We're supposed to live like Jesus. Our lives should look like Jesus's life. We should believe the things Jesus teached. We should tell people the things that he taught. We should live the way Jesus lived and do the things that he did. That's what we're called to do as believers, as Christians. And within that context, it's all about restoration. Because Jesus was about restoring the earth to its original design. So if you go all the way back to Genesis, we know in the garden, we handed over authority and the original design of the world of our lives became polluted, became contaminated by sin. And so if you're thinking like of a, of a word picture of an image, you can just imagine like this dark picture and then all of a sudden this light comes in and begins to bring what was black and white into color again. I mean, that's what Jesus was doing and the color is spreading on this black and white picture and it just keeps spreading and it keeps spreading and that's the kingdom. That's what he came to bring. And he came to do that because he was uh, after the father's business. He would only do what he saw the Father doing. He would only do what the Holy Spirit was leading him into. And so that's why, first and foremost, we're not just a church that believes in gathering. We believe in gathering around the presence. About coming in and that everything we do is presence-driven, meaning that, that the Holy Spirit is leading us and that we're gathered around the Spirit of God and the presence of God. We're not gathered around this pulpit. We're not gathered around my personality. You would be out of luck if that was why you're here. We're not gathered around uh, a set of people or, or some superstars. We're not even gathered around like doctrine. We're gathered around presence. We're gathered around, we want to be in a place where the Lord's presence breaks out, where the kingdom of God breaks out continuously. That's what we want. And out of that presence, out of that abundance of presence, we begin to see the kingdom of God coming and things being restored. People being restored. Neighborhoods being restored. It's what drives everything is the presence. It's interesting, a little bit past that, Jesus is talking to the people and they want to see all the miracles they heard about. And he said, you you don't get it. I only do what I see the father doing. There was a lot of widows when Elijah was around, but he only went to one. There's a lot of lepers when Elijah wasn't around, but he only went to one. Why? Because that was where the Holy Spirit was leading. There's a lot of evil and problems around, and we can't tackle it all at all the time, but we go where the Spirit leads us to go, into those places the Spirit leads us to go, and we begin to see supernatural restoration take place. That's the the idea. That's the strategy. That was the strategy of Jesus. So I wanted to walk through a story. Uh, It's found in 2 Samuel. It's, It's in the Old Testament. Um, and so it's, uh, it's the story of, of the Ark of the Covenant. If you've ever seen Indiana Jones, this is the Ark of the Covenant that he was looking for. It melts your face off if you find it. It's a really good movie. Um, might watch that this afternoon. So this is the story of the Ark and the Covenant. Uh, they had the Ark, and here's the deal with the Ark. The Ark is actually what held the presence 
like the presence of God somehow, and, and all of this, I don't know how it all worked, we're not sure, but it, it contained the power and the presence of God. And so what had happened is, uh, we'll pick up in verse uh, 6, so what had happened, they were transporting uh, the Ark of the Covenant, and, and really what happened is that they had become sort of lax and casual with stewarding the presence, with stewarding the power. They, they had become a, a bit used to it, It had become somewhat mundane, just sort of ordinary and a ritual. And so out of that heart posture, we pick up in verse 6. And it says, When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah uh, reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uzzah. And to this day, the place is called Perez Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. Now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything there he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark of God uh, from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. What this is, is this is a picture of what happens to a people that are gathered around the presence. What happens when we center our life, surround our life on the presence of God is that it just, it leaks And it begins to bring about restoration, blessing, and favor to to everything that it comes in contact with. It was just spreading. It wasn't just to Obed-Edom. It wasn't just to his house. It was his his pride. Everything he had was just saturated with the presence. Because when the presence comes, restoration comes. It's in the very nature of the presence is to bring about the restoration of all things. It's It's just there. And it's a picture for us of what we're supposed to be, because now the presence doesn't reside in an ark, which would make the Indiana Jones movie a lot less appealing at the end, because they would just open it up and there'd be nothing in there, because now the presence rests in us. We're all carriers if we've believed and we've bowed our knee and we've accepted. The ark is now in us, so that we begin to look for the restoration of things around us. We, we believe that, that restoration, the healing, it is within our grips because that's what happens when you come in contact with the presence of God. He's all about restoration. It's even, it's, it's hidden throughout, it's not even really hidden, it's just really plain throughout a lot of the scriptures. If, if you look in Matthew verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 21, The angel of the Lord is coming to Joseph in a dream. Joseph's wanting to leave Mary because obviously she cheated on him because she's pregnant. And uh, and so he wants to to leave her and be like, I'm out. Uh, So the angel of the Lord comes and this is what he says. He says, he shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. The word here for save is the word sozo. And the word sozo, the definition, is to deliver or protect, literally or figuratively, to heal, preserve, to save someone, to do well, or to be made whole. So Jesus has come 
to save the world, to bring, to bring about complete restoration. That's his, that's his mission. And so our job as the church is to join him in his mission, which is the sozoing of everything, the redemption, the restoration of all things. This is what Jesus is about. We want to be about Jesus's business. This is what we're about as a church. And specifically with this church, he, he has put a greater emphasis in us on this idea of, of restoration and healing. Uh, he's given us uh, a lot of confirmation, uh, a lot of dreams, a lot of uh, people coming in from nowhere, telling us, confirming with us that there's something on this house that has to do with healing. Not just with, with healing physically, but just healing in general. And so it was one of the questions that I asked, even coming into Nashville, like there's some incredible churches in Nashville. One of the pastors that I know translated Isaiah into the English Standard Version of the Bible. Like that's crazy. And so I met him and I came away from that meeting and going, I think I heard wrong. Like why does God want me to, to start a church here? Because I, I, don't, I don't know anything. And, and throughout that, that questioning, he, he gave us a, really it was a dream and a vision about how somehow this church will have a mark of healing on it and restoration. So I, I don't know how to do that. I, I don't know what that means. At the time, I didn't own a white suit, so I wasn't sure I was even qualified to bring about healing in a church setting. I now own several. I'm kidding. I should. That'd be fun. But I just didn't, I just felt so ill-equipped to, to do any of that stuff. And yet we see time after time, just because we're valuing it, just because we're going for it, just because we're leaning into that awkward, uncomfortable place, he continues to back that word. And we see restoration beginning to come. It's, it's why uh, when, when you came up, we have a, a flag out that says healing. We just feel like we're just supposed to like draw a line in the sand and say like the Lord said it's here, so we're just going to go for it. It's why after most services we have a chance for healing. We we pray for healing a lot. It's it's why that we're going to begin to start this healing on the streets. He he just does it. It's why we've seen dramatic healings. Everything from from food allergies to rotator cuffs to people that have been in hospice and hours away from death walking out of the hospital through the prayers of people in this church. We've just seen a dramatic display of healing. It's, it's crazy. And he just continues to do it over and over again simply because we're prioritizing it. We're just creating a space for it. We're recognizing that maybe it wasn't thunder and maybe the Lord spoke. But we don't just believe in healing of the physical body. We're, we're taking this sozo thing, like, like literal, like it's everything. Restoration comes to every part of the individual. And so we target the individual, like with laser beam focus. We believe that if, if you hang around here long enough, everything in your life should change. Everything. It's why we talk about sin so much. We don't want you to sin. We want you to stop it. We believe it's possible to defeat different sins in our life and see victory year over year from, from different sins. It's why we're not just praying for, for the physical, we're, we're praying for, for the other things that Jesus stated in his mission statement, freedom to the captives. 
that people would be set free. We, pr- we pray for that uh, in, our, in our deliverance prayer ministry. And we see dramatic p- episodes where people are set free continually from, from being held captive by the bonds of sin and the evil one. Jesus, when he would go around, like it, people couldn't help but get free. Demons would just pop all the time. They just couldn't, they couldn't be around Jesus because there was freedom. And that's not how they roll. And so it is with us. We're like, okay, well, that seems to be something Jesus does. Let's, let's try to do that. And you know what happens is that uh, the more that we open up space for that, the more that we actually say, well, let's, let's give it a go. Let's, let's see what happens. The more we start to see things happening with us. Just this week, someone flew in from across the country, across the country, for prayer to be set free. Isn't that crazy? Only here one night, came in for prayer to be set free, had prayer, dramatically set free, got on a plane, left. We don't know him. Isn't that nuts? We're just making a space for it. We're not even experts in this. There was an article uh, written by The Atlantic, which is... Uh, like a secular magazine or whatever. And in the article, it, it, it starts to lay out that actually there's a tremendous amount of people walking around right now that are convinced that they're under the oppression of the devil. They're just, they're absolutely convinced. And the only thing they know to do because they've only watched horror movies is they go to the Catholic church. And what the article was about is that the Catholic church is actually like with the rest underfunded, underequipped and all that sort of stuff. And so there's not enough priests that they've deemed like that can do it. And so there's this giant backlog of people waiting to be delivered. I mean, that's crazy. Because this is real. Like people are really being afflicted. This is a real battle. And so we just said, well, Jesus seems to do it. Let's try to do that too. But it's not just from like demonic stuff and sin stuff and physical sickness stuff, it's, it's also, you know, like, like our minds. We need, to, we need to experience freedom and salvation and restoration in our minds. And so we have uh, a counseling ministry here, a licensed counselor who's partnered with our church and over the last quarter has done 119 hours of people within our church for counseling services. I mean, this is like legit. This isn't like me pretending to be a counselor just because I call myself a pastor. I mean, this is someone who's been trained and equipped and and it's just unbelievable uh, what he's doing because we believe that the whole person should be free. If we're gonna pray for physical pain and sickness, just as hard as we're going to say, you need to go sit with our counselors. You need to experience freedom from those mental things that you've been going through, from those patterns in your life that you've been going through. We're, we're just sold out for it. We're a church that believes in restoration. We're a church that believes in restoration of the whole person. And we believe in it because we believe that that's actually his plan to bring about the restoration of all things is through people, not through politics, not through celebrity, not through influence, but it's just, it's through us. So we don't spend a lot of time talking about all of those hot button things because we're just going after the people in their hearts and bringing restoration and bringing salvation and seeing lives being transformed because we know that that's actually the secret to his plan to bring about 
the restoration of all things. And so as a church, we're, we're pretty crazy about that too. We want to see the Lord's favor and blessing begin to come, not just with the people, but like with Obed-Edom, it came on his household. It came on everything that it was around. And so the hope is, and the, the plan is, is that as we experience restoration, as we become people that make space for the presence, then everywhere we go, we actually get to experience that inbreaking of the kingdom around us and start to see things change around us, not just in us. That's, that's how the, the kingdom works. It's within you and it's at hand. It has to be within you and then it's at hand. And so we know that if we can get the idea of the kingdom in you, we also know it's going to be at hand. And the call is that we become thermostats, not thermometers. We set the atmosphere of the place that we enter. We don't reflect the atmosphere of the place that we enter. Do you guys, there's a, I'm like really into arts and uh, all of that. And there's this really, there's kind of an art house movie called Frozen that came out a couple of years ago. It was an animated classic by Disney. I don't know if you know uh, that. Uh, and in that movie, there's a, there's a snowman um, called Olaf. And at the end of it, I don't know how, I've only heard it because I drive and like I hear the kids watching it. So I'm not exactly sure how it all plays out. But I know at the end, uh, he gets a cloud, his own permanent atmosphere around him. So wherever he goes, he can be connected to the climate. That's, that's us. You've been given the presence and it, and it can lead you wherever you want to go. And, and the place that you're in adjusts to the climate that you bring not the other way around. And so what we're called to do is to bring our clouds with us, right? We're, we're called to, to enter a place. And so we, we're not just looking for restoration of people here as a church. One of the questions we ask ourselves pretty regularly is that if this church disappeared overnight, like this building and, and us being here, would people that would never worship here miss its influence? And if not, then what are we doing? Why, why wouldn't they? And so we're gauging our level of, are we, are we actually entering into restoration? Is it really working? Because we believe then we should start to see things change, like the neighborhood change, like the city change. And just report in, we're actually making some pretty good headway. I've gotten emails from neighbors who don't go here that say that since we've moved in, they're not quite sure what's going on, but crime has dropped in the neighborhood, that there's been an uptick in things going on in the neighborhood, and, uh, and people seem to just generally be in a better mood and flourishing, and they're not sure why. They, they love us being here, keep up the good work, just want to let you know. That's kind of crazy. What they don't know is that every week we pray in here for the neighborhood, for six blocks. And we've been doing that ever since we've been in here. Climate's changing. Restoration is coming. We're doing things like not just uh, through our prayers, but through uh, our prayers inspired with action. And so uh, from our kitchen every month uh, between uh, our food ministry of Food Chapel and People Loving Nashville that we partner with, there, it's, it's not an exaggeration to say that thousands of people are being fed each month. 
Every, every week, they're preparing meals in the kitchen and taking it to the streets. I'm, I'm hearing reports, actually, from uh, as I'm here every day and I'm starting to engage with, with different members of our homeless community there around here that actually, and they're not sure what's going on either, but when we do our feeding that's here, they see a level of crime drop as well. They notice that that day and that evening and that next morning, they feel safer sleeping on the streets. They don't feel quite as exposed. That's kind of amazing. And so they don't know what's going on. They just say, hey, keep it up. We're seeing the restoration of all things. We're, we're beginning to take, take part in that. And it's not just like systemic and systematic and, and organizationally. I mean, it's, it's not just happening here. It, it, it's actually happening everywhere. And people, people are beginning to experience it. I'm, I'm hearing stories of, of teachers that are bringing uh, the kingdom of God into their classrooms, into their schools, and, and schools are beginning to change and beginning to shift because they're, they're understanding that, hey, I'm carrying a climate. And not just a climate, a superior climate. And they're beginning to see an extension of that. I'm, I'm hearing stories uh, weekly at this point, and sometimes it's multiple times a week, of people experiencing uh, salvation is just happening all around them without even trying. It's just too easy. I heard a couple more this week. Because what's happening, people are understanding that, hey, we're about the business of Jesus and that's restoration and redemption of all things. But it's not just even here. It's, it's, it's crazy stuff. Like uh, the other day, uh, someone drove in from Philadelphia to receive prayer. Didn't know him. Just showed up. Not be, we're not famous. Just because something's happening where the Lord is saying, if you make room for this, I'll honor it. If you make a space for this, I'll be there. We're getting, we're getting reports. This one's too crazy to even go into all the way. But there's a church right now in England experiencing revival, and they credit it to us. Not the denomination, but like this church, you guys. Because one of them was here at one point, just passing through. That's crazy. But it's God being about the redemption and restoration of all things. And if you hang around here long enough, what we're finding is, is that you can't help it. We just experienced the second person in a row who has taken up residency outside on the street, outside of our church, and through us loving him and and being with him and, and walking with him and all of that sort of stuff. This is the second one. They have completely gotten set free from drug and alcohol abuse, gone into actual programs and, and gotten their lives back on, you know, back on track and, and straight, and they're no longer using, and they're actually living in a house, and they're, they're homeless no more. Just, just because of the presence like spilling out. It's like Obed-Edom's house. They were just hanging out in the front yard. They couldn't help it. We just baptized one of them last week. The other one is referring people to our church. I mean, how does that work? And we're not equipped for street ministry. We don't, we don't know how this stuff works. I'm upper middle class white guy from the suburbs thrust into an inner city church. I, we don't know what we're doing, but the presence of God, it doesn't matter. And so this is what's going on around here. This is who we are, and, and this is where we're going, and we're going to continue to press further and further in until we begin to see 
this place that we occupy, our house, our neighborhoods, our office place, whatever, begin to look more like heaven and less like earth. That's the goal. And so if you're checking us out, if you're new here, if you've been here a while, just know that like everything we do sort of centers around this idea of we're capable and called and supposed to bring restoration to all people and places and things. And nowhere is safe from the kingdom of God. I'll end it like this. Jesus tells this story about what the kingdom of God is like. And you may have heard it. And he says that it's like a mustard seed. And we've heard it and we go, oh, mustard seed's really small. But really a mustard seed was, was an unclean thing. And so he's talking to the Jews and, and they would never plant a mustard seed in their garden. They were forbidden to plant a mustard seed in their garden. It was unclean. It was not something that they were supposed to approach. And so and a more accurate depiction of what he's actually trying to say is he would say something like, the kingdom of God is like heroin. And when it gets in the blood, it takes over. It takes over the person, it takes over the family, and it brings its destruction to everyone. And so it is with the kingdom of God. It's like heroin. It's going to uproot your life. It's going to change everything around you. It's going to affect everything that you touch and come in contact with because it can't stay the same. It's pervasive. It flows through. It can't be stopped. It's like a mustard seed take over the garden. And when you go out and you're in your office or you're, you're hanging out, understand you're carrying a very rapidly expansive element. It can't be stopped. And this is where we're leading as a church. And we're going to begin to see more and more of it. Just the more we make room, the more we acknowledge it, the more we We seek it, we'll find it, is what the scriptures say. So a good way to gauge on whether or not you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, because we're all called to do different things, is to say, how is my sphere of influence going? Am I seeing more and more of it becoming more and more like heaven, or it's about the same? And then what we just have to do is repent and say, okay, we realize the kingdom is within us, and it's also at hand, so let's start moving towards that direction as well. So we're going to close today, and, and, and we're going to close with a call of restoration. Like we're, we're closing with this idea that we all, at some point, need something restored within us. We, we've, been, we've been a part of the world. That's destruct, it's this destructive place that's, that needs redemption. So we're going we're gonna to sing a song. And remember, these songs aren't just songs, they're prayers. And our prayer as we're here is that, okay, if we take the scripture seriously, we can't believe in coincidence. We can't believe in accident. The steps of the righteous are ordered. And so that means that we're here for a reason. And the question is, what is that reason? What are you saying to us, Lord? Holy Spirit, what is it in, what, what do you want me to hear today? Where do I need restoration? And you may need restoration and say, how do I get a hold of that counseling service? And we'll show you back there. You can go on the website. It's on the website. You can send them an email and get an appointment. You, you might say, how do I get a hold of that deliverance service? And you just email prayer at nashvillevineyard.org. And if you need any more information about it, come see me. Come see some of the other leaders of us here. You may say, how do I get in on like, bringing restoration to, to my office, to, to my neighborhood? 
And we'll talk to you about different ways that you can get involved here and different ways that we can get involved where you're at to begin to see the kingdom come where you are, not just here. And then you may say, I, I, need, I just need prayer today because I'm, I'm experiencing pain or sickness or, or loss or hopelessness or like we said before, that there's a place inside of me that doesn't seem to align with this idea of Jesus and, and being the resurrection power and the God of miracles. I just need prayer for that. So then we're going to come back. We're going to take a little time and, and, and offer a space to receive prayer. Does that make sense? Is that good? So Holy Spirit, I just invite you here. I welcome you here. I welcome you to have your way. The kingdom of God come presence of God begin to permeate this space. Just ask for more. More of your presence. Holy Spirit, would you search our hearts and would you reveal to us those places inside of us that are yet to be restored? Those things that we've held on to that we need to let go of. Unforgiveness, self-righteousness. And then, Lord, would you just begin to show us where are you in our lives and where are you working and and where is your presence moving us towards and who who in our paths can use this restoration, this kingdom? Lord, we love you. We want to love you more. So would you do what only you can do? Would you reveal to us the secrets of our heart? So if we could stand, and as we stand, let's just continue that prayer. Would you just illuminate in us where we need to change? For all upcoming events and more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.